This is a special bonus episode of the Theology Matters podcast, looking ahead to research workshops we'll be holding next year. CTI is currently accepting applications for a program on religion and the built environment to be held in the academic year 2020-2021. The research workshop is being held in cooperation with the Architecture, Culture, and Spirituality Forum and in close connection with two leaders of the ACSF, Julio Bermudez and Thomas Berry. Bermudez is a professor of architecture at the Catholic University of America, and Thomas Berry is professor of architecture at North Carolina State University. Julio and Tom join me in the following conversation along with Murray Ray, a professor of theology specializing in theology and architecture at the University of Otago in New Zealand. And what follows, we discuss the upcoming CTI program on religion and the built environment, highlighting some of the key issues to be examined. Thanks for joining the conversation. So maybe to start us out, Murray, you've, you've written a book on theology and architecture. So I thought maybe I'd start out by uh, asking you, Murray Ray, about how you got inter- interested in that topic and, and what you do in that book, which was recently published by Baylor University Press. So, well, <clears throat> I began my working life as an architect, actually, Josh, trained as an architect and practiced for a few years before switching to theology. And so the book really is a, has been an opportunity to bring together those two interests. And they're much more closely related than some people might think. Um, architects are very concerned for human well-being and our living well in the world. And they try to create spaces that facilitate that, that nurture that, uh, that kind of uh, human well-being and, and satisfactory habitation of our world. And of course, these are issues that theology is deeply concerned with as well. How do we live well in the world that God has provided for us? And that's one of the concerns of the book, to explore that question. But also, uh, it, it's written from the point of view, uh, or from uh, our recognition of the fact that artists actually help us to see the world in different ways, open up new vistas on the nature of reality. Uh, and I, I like to think of architects as artists as well, help us to see the world in a new light. Hmm. And so there can be benefit for theology in engaging with the arts uh, in real depth, uh, helping us to discover more about the reality we share together and how we might inhabit it well. So that's really the premise that, uh, that gave rise to the book. And Julio and Tom, you're also working at the intersection as architects, the intersection of spirituality, religion, and architecture. So speak a bit about how you came to collaborate on this issue and, and how you see the, the fields relating. Sure. Julio, do you start? Yeah, Julio yeah. Bermudez, how about you go first? I enter the, the topic uh, through phenomenology, which is kind of the area, um, at least in architecture, but also in philosophy, that deal with the, the lived world or experiencing uh, reality, if you wish. Um, one of the key things that architects want to do, definitely the one I was interested in, is to touch people's life and, uh, and make them become more awakened to basically the gift that we all have to be here, both individually and collectively. Um, the connection with this spiritual also was a very natural one. I've been a practitioner, a uh, spiritual practitioner for basically all my adult life, and I always wanted to kind of connect the two uh, together. Um, what is intriguing about the whole idea of architecture as being a gate to the transcendent 
is that uh, you, you touch the two kind of most extreme uh, dimension of humanity. You, you, could, you touch the, the, the way that we have our embodiment, you know, the way that we um, physically change, can change things, uh, organize matter, and then touch our metaphysical dimension, which is the one uh, impossible to measure, the ineffable. So uh, bridging the two, the physical and the metaphysical, um, if, if you wish, is the highest hope that are, um, at least an architect could have. Um, and then from there, I think um, I, I became increasingly frustrated by the fact that our field architecture, except dealing with uh, religious architecture, in which case you could talk a little bit about it, um, there was really no space to, for serious scholarship or serious inquiry into how spirituality, uh, faith, uh, uh, religious practice could enter, um, you know, architecture. So um, try a few times to get papers, to get, you know, uh, symposium rejected over and over again. So uh, at one point, um, I, know, I know Tom from much earlier, uh, we got together, this is back in 2006, um, and we decided that there was a need to create a forum uh, in which architects and allied disciplines of design, but eventually we have theologians and philosophers and um, psychologists and so on, uh, we uh, could, could bring it to the open in a very scholarly and very uh, systematic way, the study of the, the, the built environment and, and spirituality. Wonderful, thanks. And Thomas Berry, maybe you can respond to the same question. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Julio's right. We we found each other uh, uh, back in in two thousand and six, and then when we did, we realized we were we were both looking, uh, you know, for 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 similar things, and uh, and realized, uh, at least from my perspective, that uh, that there was there was a lot of uh, missing dialogue in architectural education and in the discipline as uh, as as a whole. And uh, and that there was a there was a knowledge base that uh, could really uh, be be drawn upon, and so the forming of ACSF was to 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 first of all gather the community, knowing that there were a lot more people uh, out there doing this kind of work than than was was known, and also to uh, start to assemble. Um, the knowledge base and make it accessible uh, for folks who are working working in uh, in these areas. Now, you know, personally, I got into architecture because I I wanted to make a difference in the world, and and I thought architecture was was in the built environment was a very powerful way to do that. Uh, uh, and to positively impact people's lives, cultures, uh, uh, in ways that uh, other other disciplines just just could not, and um, and that uh, and that in my 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 research, which you know my research is really focused on the power of of the built environment, which again in contemporary discourse particularly in disciplinary discourse, isn't really recognized. We're, we're much more concerned with individual practitioners, connoisseur architects, uh, material uh, technologies, and other fetishes, uh, which is all good uh, because uh, virtuosos are, uh, 
uh, and virtuosity is always worth uh, celebrating, but it's only a very small part of the of the picture. And, um, and so a, a real interest in uh, in expanding uh, the uh, the discourse and uh, and also in tapping into uh, a much deeper knowledge base. And it you know if you read theologians and so forth, uh, or, or theologians and and other people can you know, who are uh, very interested in exploring religion. You know, they reach some similar conclusions. Religion, if you accept, and at least in part, that it's a human construct, really is about improving people's lives. Karen Armstrong said it said it very eloquently in in, in, in her book, and uh, her most recent. Or in our, I'm not sure if it's the most recent one uh, on the three Abrahamic uh, religions, and uh, so these come together, right? Theology and at least where I. And, and I think many architects share that goal of of uh, of, uh, of improving improving things, be, providing antidotes. And so, uh, uh, you know, Julia and I have had long conversations about that missing knowledge base, and that it's a knowledge base that we and others have tapped into of theology and religion, religious architecture, uh, etc. That uh, that it's our hope. And our community's hope will 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 make a difference. Maybe say a bit more about what the ACFS is in, in conjunction with that. That's the organization you know that CTI will be partnering with for this year on the religion and built environment. Yes. Yeah, so we we should mention that uh, you know we're very excited about this partnership. It's exactly the kind of partnership that we partnerships that we like to. Um, uh, you know, we like to have because it's uh, partnering outside of our discipline, uh, tapping into communities of scholars that uh, that might not uh, uh, conventionally be part of uh, of architectural scholarship and education and and uh, and practice, and that there's there's two components to it. One is the uh, resident scholars uh, uh, that. It will take place over over the year long program in two semesters and and uh, ACSF is uh, in a in a support we're the support team for that helping to identify select uh, and support scholars and then we are leading something called critical conversations and uh, those will be uh, there'll be four critical conversations uh, during uh, the uh, uh, the resident year, two in the fall, two in the spring, where we will be bringing in four to six invited experts who will interact with the resident scholars uh, in a structured, uh, uh, long weekend uh, format. And there will be four, what we call the grand questions uh, that uh, we will, we have identified at least initially that we will uh, help to frame our conversations. One is cultural consciousness. The second is justice and participation. The third is environmental adaption and eco technology. And the last is transcendent uh, human habitats. Great. And maybe uh, all three of you speak to, you know, what kind of uh, projects would you like to see proposed and, you know, who should consider applying uh, to be a member in the resident program here at CTI? 
Well, I think it's clearly an interdisciplinary project, and that's going to be part of its strength. We want uh, people from various disciplines, from architecture, from philosophy, from theology, and so on, as, as Tom has mentioned. And the fruitfulness of the project will depend greatly on that interdisciplinary engagement, I think. But what we're looking for is people who recognize the importance of architecture in shaping our life together and in architecture has, has a narrative quality about it. it. It reveals what we believe about ourselves and what we aspire to and so on. So we're looking for people who can come together to discuss what kind of narrative we're interested in in the world today, a narrative that serves human well-being, that it helps our flourishing, and not just humanity, but the whole of creation. People interested in those kinds of questions and how our built environment can enhance our life together, build community, create human flourishing in all its dimensions, uh, and including especially the theological, the spiritual, the religious. Those are the kinds of people we're, we're looking for, I think, uh, at least from my perspective. Wonderful. Thanks, Murray. And maybe Julio, do you have a reflection on that? Well, I think it's, uh, first, it's an exciting program. Uh, and you're going to dedicate in three months, three and a half months, to really focus in um, the question that you bring to the table, and you're going to have a chance to partake on conversations with uh, remarkable uh, colleagues, and these conversations that we are bringing, um, it's just an impossibly better situation to be in if you are a scholar or, you know, a practitioner in architecture or art. Um, so uh, I think I want to encourage, we want to encourage um, to really seriously uh, give it a a chance uh, to, to come to Princeton and uh, join uh, this effort. It's gonna be incredible. Um, now, I think maybe I'm packing a little bit uh, what we just heard about you know, what, what could happen. Um, Tom and I just wrote a, a chapter in a, uh, in a book on a spirituality and architecture. And you could unpack it a little bit more saying there are different areas that uh, these um, residents could, could approach this intersection between religion and the built environment. Uh, an obvious one is uh, aesthetics. Um, the, the narrative uh, that, that um, Murray was talking about has a little bit to do with that, uh, of how we encounter um, the world. Uh, architecture can really give a sense of um, both our interaction with this reality and the beauty of reality itself. So there is the aesthetic path, um, and this could be approached in many ways, uh, from the, the quality of the object, to the actual uh, phenomenology of the of that encounter, uh, the other they mentioned that uh, possibly uh, somebody could investigate is the ethical uh, dimension of of this com conversation between environment and and and, and religion. Uh, we 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 are facing uh, incredible challenges as a civilization, as humanity, as we face you know global warming, or we see, you know pollution, uh, um, migration. Uh, you name it, uh, we are facing incredible challenges um, and how we deal with those challenges and how the built environment could really help to, um, to um, uh, you know, help us to, to, to improve um, and flourish, that's a, a, a great question. And again, there are many dimensions. I didn't mention economy, I didn't mention um, uh, discrimination and, and all these other aspects that deal with the ethical uh, condition. Another one, of course, is meaning and symbolism and uh, the actual message of, that each religion uh, brings to, 
to the world uh, is a, a message of hope, is a message of, of practice, is a mes message of faith. Architecture has the, um, the, the, the challenge to, to present this, this narrative and, and convince or assist uh, people in the world to uh, uh, get to this other level of contemplation uh, or, uh, or, or, or dialogue with the divine uh, or uh, interaction with uh, other human beings, you know, in this uh, community of, um, of people. So, um, and then of course the last one that is maybe a little more architectural, but nonetheless important, is that we do know that uh, architecture, the building, the physical quality of the, of the place affect uh, in these three levels. So uh, a whole other dimension here we, uh, to, you know, for some potential proposals here, is to investigate the actual um, built environments uh, systematically, you know, literally the building itself or the buildings, uh, or not just building, could be whole uh, urban uh, environments um, larger than just a, a, you know, a series of just one building. So there is this other dimension that is a, we call the objecthood uh, of, of, of this conversation. Thanks. That's fascinating. I mean, I think one thing that all three of you have talked about, I uh, really kind of boils down to a comment that Tom made, which was that he got into architecture to try to improve people's lives. But what I find fascinating about that is I don't think many people think about how the built environment affects their lives in so many ways. It's sort of below the surface in a way that you don't, you know, you might notice that your life is being harmed by poverty or by lack of health care or, or these other issues, but it's not always so noticeable. Uh, maybe you, as a kind of last question, if any of you could even give examples of that, of the way in which the built environment can both harm, but also, you know, improve people's lives. Well, it's a very obvious thing, Josh. One of the problems in my city right now actually is, is substandard housing. Hmm. And very clearly, that has a profound impact upon people's well-being, their health, um, the opportunities they have, and so on. So that, at that very fundamental level, architecture can play a big role. Yeah. But at a more macro level too, we need to think carefully about the way we shape our cities. Um, we build cities today that are much less hospitable, I think, to human habitation than, than once they were. And one of the signs of that, I think, is that our city building is determined much more now by private commercial interests. Um, and they, they produce less hospitable environments. They produce environments uh, that are uh, less nurturing of good community. Uh, contrast that, for example, with uh, cities like Florence or Siena or Rome, where a high priority was given to public space and to the to the nourishing of good community. Uh, whereas now, as I say, public space tends to be just what's left over after private commercial interests have been served, and that's not good for our well-being uh, in communities. It alienates us from one another much more, um, and it, it's it's less careful. Uh, architecturally, uh, our cities are less careful about looking after the vulnerable, the outcast, the marginalised and so on. So in these kinds of ways, architecture can have a pr profound impact on our life together. Yeah, I'd, I'll just add, um, there's, there's lots of, there's a, you know, there's, there's lots of instances on how architecture can be uh, harmful. We all remember some years ago, the sick building uh, syndrome of poisonous materials and uh, actually making people physically physically ill well we're still we're still building sick buildings we we 
we solved that particular problem, but but forty percent of, uh, of 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 emissions uh, associated with global climate change are are directly the result of the built environment. Uh, that is a huge huge impact. Twenty percent is attributable to transportation, and that is directly related to how we plan plan our cities. So uh, the detriments and promises of uh, of architecture in the built environment are, are, are really surprisingly obvious uh, and yet uh, so inadequately uh, uh, addressed. Um, Murray, I really appreciate you mentioning the way we plan our cities. Uh, humans are distinctly social animals. Uh, we, we, like dogs, become neurotic if we don't interact with other, other beings. And uh, what we often miss in, uh, in our cities are what are called third places, those places for the impromptu interactions and uh, very real uh, interactions uh, with uh, people uh, and communities that we might not normally come together with. Uh, and it's so subtle, but it is so important. Um, and it's deeply spiritual, uh, those kind of uh, exchanges. And then lastly, Murray, I really appreciate your comment about substandard housing. I, I work in affordable housing uh, here in North Carolina. And um, in architecture alone, of course, won't solve the affordable housing crisis uh, in, in uh, North America, particularly in, in America, but it has important roles uh, to, uh, to, to play. And uh, what you know, we have discovered is that it's not enough just to provide uh, standard housing for people. We need places that uplift the, the human spirit. And that is where design comes in. Uh, at least in the developed world, 90% of our time is spent inside buildings um, or, or, or literally in cities. I mean, you really, most of us never leave artificial reality as, you know, as, uh, as built, meaning intentionally constructed uh, places. Yeah. Think about that, you know, like in a whole week when you really are in wild nature, most likely once or twice a year. So that has, you know, day in and day out profound effect from childhood to death, you know. Um, and there is plenty of evidence of this. So, I mean, there is citations and studies done on this. Um, or the whole evidence-based design movement uh, in architecture and urban design um, basically is trying to uh, quantify some of these effects. And neuroscience has been proven tremendously valuable uh, to support some of these, these claims or the effects uh, that it has uh, on individuals for the most part because um, the technology is not there to, uh, to see some of these more social, uh, cultural implications that I think um, my two friends are, are, are referring to, which of course are, is totally true. So there is plenty of evidence uh, of this impact and perhaps some uh, proposals, um, or personally I hope, uh, bring some of these new developments uh, some scientists, uh, I, I would like to encourage some scientists looking at this um, impact of the built environment, uh, in, as I said before, maybe in the ethical dimensions of architecture, in the meaning and symbolic dimension, in actually the aesthetics of it, and so on and so forth. 
uh, has great potential and actually could really affect because um, the way we build depends on, on how we can, quote, sell our ideas to the market. And um, if we could show that certain conditions are better or worse through science, uh, people do listen. Well, the applications for this program on religion in the built environment open September 1st, uh, and we're going to keep them open until December 1st. So they'll be from deadline of December 1, uh, three months um, open. And I think the conversation you just had, at least for me, very much wet my appetite, and I'm very excited about uh, being here at CTI for this, this program, and I think the listeners will as well. So I really hope... Uh, a lot of people will apply, and I think they will. So thanks to all three of you, Julio Bermudez, Thomas Berry, and Murray Ray, for being on the podcast and for looking forward to you being here at CTI. Thank you. Thank you. Josh. To learn more about CTI, visit our website at ctinquiry.org and follow our pages on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave us a review.